0: Yep. I don't true. mind, I don't mind whatever. Okay, so, um, well, I'll just, for my own sake, um, yeah, so, this feels, this feels The sick. moment you decide, <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh, uh, I but, don't know what yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> always edit. <laughs> so this feels terribly awkward, but, uh, alright, so the plan here is to host a podcast, uh, we're calling this the History of Christian, no, wait, a History of Christian Theology. Yes. Um, and, uh. I tried to come up with more clever titles, but supposedly this is the best way uh, to get people to actually click on it. So we'll see. Grace and peace to you from a history of Christian theology. I'm your host, Chad Kim. With With me this week, as every week, is Tom Velasco and Trevor Adams. We will be doing the second part of Justin Martyr's Dialogue with Trifo. Let us know what you think about the length of our episodes. We are considering going from a 30-minute target episode length to about a 60-minute target episode length. So if you have thoughts on the matter, please let us know on our Facebook page um, when I upload this podcast. Now, here's our conversation. So, um, yeah, so we want to – and – uh we want to say something about the uniqueness of of his view of the trinity uh, but there are other issues uh that he addresses in this text um one of them that we've been sort of teasing for a while is the thousand year reign um i mean we've talked yes. about it a little bit the other one is the issue of free will um which comes up here do we want to you know pick pick on one of those for a minute or let's Let's do
1: the thousand-year reign first and go to free will. Let's do them both. I want to make sure both those get covered. Um,
0: I have other stuff that I find fascinating, but those are two we've been teasing a lot. So as far – I actually don't have a – Yeah, chapter 80. So um,
1: just again to remind our audience, there has long throughout church history been a debate about what is called the millennium or the thousand-year reign of Christ. The church has historically been in disagreement about it. Some believe in what they call a premillennial reign, which means Jesus returns before the millennium. That's why it's called pre. And he rules on the earth, literally physically for a thousand years. Some believe in a postmillennial reign. That is Jesus returns after the thousand year reign that the thousand year reign instead results because the church expands and grows and fills the earth and creates a millennium on the earth. The third is amillennialism amillennialism teaches that there is no literal thousand year reign of any kind but that the passages which speak of the millennium are actually speaking of a, the coming church age the age in which the church will flourish and grow and exist so all this to say while Trifo and Justin are talking Justin uh, this I'm just going to read this bit Trifo to this replied I remark to you sir that you are very anxious to be safe in respect since you cling to the scriptures but tell me Do you really admit that this place, Jerusalem, shall be rebuilt? So a little bit of context there. Um, In 70 AD, the temple of Jerusalem was destroyed by the uh, Roman general Titus uh, uh, under the emperor Vespasian. Uh, Titus would go on to become emperor. Many Jews were displaced, removed from the land at that time. However, not all of them. In the 130s, many of the remaining Jews in Judea will revolt under what's called the Bar Kokhba revolt under the Emperor Hadrian. When that happens, Hadrian is going to go through and annihilate Jerusalem. He's going to remove every Jew from the land of Judea and displace them throughout the empire. He's going to make it illegal for Jews to live in Jerusalem. So so Trifor goes, do you really think Jerusalem will be rebuilt? And do you expect your people—this is Justin again, or Trifo again—to be gathered together and made joyful with Christ and the patriarchs and the prophets, both the men of our nation and other proselytes who joined them before your Christ came? Or have you given way and admitted this in order to have the appearance of worsting us in the controversies? Then I answered, I am not so miserable, a fellow Trifo, as to say one thing and think another. I admitted to you formerly that I and many others are of this opinion. So let me explain. Of this opinion, he's referencing what Trifo just asked. He believes that Christ and the patriarchs and what he calls proselytes, people who converted to Judaism prior to Christ, are going to come rebuild Jerusalem, and they're going to live and reign in Jerusalem. So this is the literal thousand-year reign of Christ. Such will take place as surely as you are aware. But on the other hand, I signify to you that many who belong to the pure and pious faith and are true Christians think otherwise. This is what I think is most interesting. So here Justin affirms that he believes in a premillennial reign of Christ. He believes in a literal thousand-year reign of Christ. For our audience, for those of you out there who maybe think that amillennialism is the oldest view, the earliest views we have are premillennial. That's papius, which you already talked about, and now Justin. However, Justin here acknowledges that not all Christians believe in this premillennial reign, that there are those who disagree, and I assume he means who have an amillennial view, who think, who interpret the passages metaphorically or spiritually. What does he say about them? He says, that's okay. They're good brothers too. This is one of those things that we agree to disagree on. And that's, I think, what I love about that is that's exactly my take on, on uh, end time stuff, of which I come from a church where people get really tense about it and where it's a really important issue. And what I love about this is he has an opinion, he has a view, he interprets the scriptures to that end, but he recognizes that other Christians have very distinct views, and that's okay.
0: So. Well, and it demonstrates to me this issue, again, you know, I, I feel like I wish we had someone who uh, could come on and be the voice for someone who reads um, reads the history of the early church as some kind of um, – purely political purely self-interested power game between those who bore the scepter um and you know and these poor little fringe groups uh who just got beat you know beat to death and pushed out of the history by some hateful spiteful person with power uh like you know just because some emperor wanted to consolidate um and have total dominion uh you know so (laughs) <laughs> that's I mean that's putting it at the worst possible light. Uh but you know, here's i I like Justin's forbearance. I mean, one thing that, you know, we could talk about, and this is a side issue to the point being discussed, but is how he refers to and engages with Trifo. I mean, there are many debates about whether or not Trifo actually existed, who this person would be. Uh he does call him a brother, um, and in several cases. Um so I'm, I'm I'm not saying that that means that he thinks that he's a brother in Christ but he calls him a brother a friendly term and but here in this case he's showing the same sort of friendliness uh and amicability with those who differ from him so it's not as if the Christians just had one long laundry list of things that you had to believe and if you disagreed you'd be thrown out of your out of the group immediately the yeah. You know there are. You know they recognize disagreement in particulars. It's just when it comes to the most substantial issues, and they and for whatever reason, it. You know it's hard to say whether or not this is actual historical fact. But those who disagree on the significant issues over who Christ is, there's also an attended discussion of the way that they live their lives. Um, so, you know, whether I'm not saying that it has to be that if you don't believe that Jesus physically resurrected, you are also, you know, an adulterer and a slanderer and a drunk. Um, but they do seem to be very concerned with the way that one lives their lives in addition to what, what they believe about the resurrection, say.
1: One more point that I think relates to that only because a lot of people's end times views, which by the way, the study of the end times is called eschatology. So a lot of people's eschatological views uh, coincide with their views on the relationship between Israel and the church. And I don't want to get into a lot of detail about different views that will evolve over the years. But one thing that is clear that I just want to throw out there, Justin the martyr here, he definitely believes in what people call supersessionism or replacement theology. What that means is, is that when the when Israel as a nation rejected Jesus, God instead chose Christians. And so the Christian church is the new Israel. Yeah. And the promises for Israel are for the Christian church. So that's the, distinct from a lot of other views, for instance, dispensationalism, which views that God deals differently with Christians as opposed to Jews, and that at various times in the course of human history, the Christians are God's people and variously the Jews are God's people at different times. So I don't want to go into that a lot of detail, but he does teach that. So I wanted to mention that. I also wanted to throw in a second thing that deals with eschatology. He clearly believes in what we refer to as the Antichrist or the man of sin, some expectant bad guy who's going to come onto the scene, who's going to be very visible and evident, who's kind of an opposite of Jesus. He's not the first guy that we've read reference Uh, the Antichrist, actually, uh, and I haven't brought it up, a lot of guys have, actually a number of the people we've read have referenced this man of sin, this Antichrist, which I only find interesting because a lot of theologians today want to relegate scriptural references to about the Antichrist or about the man of sin or something like that to some historical personage personage in history, and it seems pretty clear that the Christians were expecting this ominous, great, not great, but like uh, infamous, Guy who's connected to Satan in some way to come onto the world scene in the same way that Jesus uh, came on and be the opposite of Jesus, so to speak. So I just want to mention those because that is clearly in his theology, which I know a lot of Christians don't believe in
0: any of those elements that I just brought up. I don't know if Trevor, if you have a thought on this, but you know, one thing we could flesh out a bit is whether or not we should call this anti-Semitism. But this relationship that he describes with the Jews, particularly the issue of circumcision, uh, he continually makes the point that circumcision and basically the laws were kind of a, it was kind of like God said, ah, you guys have hard hearts. You guys keep making mistakes and idolatry. So I will just for the moment, uh, make you guys circumcise the flesh, but really all along what God sort of intends is to never actually have circumcision. Um, so it's a terribly, you know, I mean, it's a pretty critical position of basically the entire Jewish faith um, as being a sort of accident yeah. uh, and, you know, God sort of deigning to help, to, you know, give something special to them because they're basically so terrible at following God's laws. Um Yeah uh you know i but i i don't know you have you haven't said much so i just sort of your thoughts on the whole anti-semitism relationship between jews and christians or the old testament to the New, that sort of thing he yeah he thinks he takes the sabbath
2: and let's see the 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 dietary laws and circumcision as kind of just not not just as signs of he kind of he'll argue sort of that they're signs of christ but goes as far as to say that they're kind of like punishments for the jews hardness of heart like it's because you guys couldn't control yourselves and it's because you guys as a nation can which i mean i don't know yeah like i i think last time i was the one saying this is anti-Semitism. this is just an argument amongst two religions and but this time i'm kind of like I don't know it, it's he seems to really direct it literally at a nationality like at a group of people like mm-hmm. which is a I don't know I I think it, it yeah it can sound anti to a modern ear maybe it just straight up was I'm not sure I don't think it's the kind of hate-inspiring antisemitism that you can see in like some German Christian authors in the 1800s and things like that, but like, Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, a lot later on basically, but like, it's definitely, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of messed up. It's kind of like, you guys are just such an obstinate people
0: that. Well, and he repeatedly calls them the Christ killers. And, you know, the, the hard thing that I have with that is, Yes, there is a sense in which they said that Christ blasphemed, and they brought him to Pontius Pilate, who wipes his hands uh, famously um, and washes his hands of it. But um, still, it was, you know, still physically the Romans who crucify him, but theologically Christians... In my at least as I understand the Christian faith, we would say it's because of me um, that Christ goes to the cross. Now, whether okay. approximately historically the Jews were involved in it, I, I don't deny um, that Jesus was a rabble rousing guy who claimed to be God um, to the point where it angered people in the temple, sure, I'm not saying that that, that there wasn't some um, complicity there uh, for uh, the Jewish leaders of the day. However, to only address it to the Jews as the ones who killed Christ is short-sighted um, and, like I said, not even theologically accurate, at least as I portray you know, the reasons for Christ's death. Well, and let me add, too, with
1: that. I mean, we have this problem. We have a very – human beings are notoriously bad at ascribing guilt to anything, Right. Um, I mean, in reality, those particular Jewish individuals who handed Jesus over after beating him, who demanded his death, who cried for his crucifixion when Pilate came out, who said his blood be upon us, historically, you can find blame in those individuals, but they're individuals. That's not being Jewish, right? right? I mean, it's not like every Jew in the world was present. In fact, a really, 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 really... like a minusculely small portion of Jews in the world were present doing that. And what I can say is I think you can look very clearly at the people. I mean, I agree with you, Chad, that Jesus's death was determined because of us, because of our sin. He, this, you know, the Christ must die. That's the way the scriptures speak of it, so that redemption could be had for all. In the process of Christ fulfilling God's call Uh, And in fulfilling that, that, that merciful act, gracious act of laying his life down for us, of course, there were individual people who were to blame, like Judas. Judas betrayed him. What he did was evil. The high priests, Caiaphas and Annas, what they did was evil. Pontius Pilate, whether he wanted to wash his hands or not, what he did was evil because he knew he was killing a just man. And he gave way to the concerns of the people. Those individuals did evil things, but that is not necessarily indicative of the people as a whole.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I would add this though to kind of defend Justin slightly, and I say ever so slightly because his stuff is, I do believe, anti-Semitic. I mean, he clearly has a grudge against Jews. Although I will say, like Trevor said, not as not as bad as you will find uh, that will develop. I mean, there's yeah. way worse. He's not calling for violence against Jews in any way. He, in fact, he calls for prayer for the Jews, to love the Jews, and all of that. But he does it as Christ called us to pray for our enemies. So he does have that kind of negative bent towards Israelites. But um, to defend him only slightly, I just want to remind our audience, Justin is not the power player here. Christians were a maligned and a persecuted sect. And Justin points out they were persecuted by the Romans, And they were persecuted by the Jews. So he doesn't just blame the Jews who killed Jesus in his day. He he points out, of course, that we, us, that my life is threatened because of uh, Jews who have held power. And so now, of course, by the time Justin's writing, it is also true that the Jews are maligned. So they weren't prior to the destruction of the temple. uh, But at this point, they have really, they also are a persecuted and... um, terribly treated group within the empire. So So
0: in the book I was reading or I read yesterday, uh, he um, Rodney Stark is a historian who says that on the statistics, uh, the statistics, statistical projections drawn from references and ancient sources suggest that by the year 200. So, or, you know, maybe a little earlier, but around the time of Justin Martyr, there may have been only 200,000 Christians in an empire of 60 million million. Two I mean so 200,000 of 60 million uh, that's quite a small population
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah 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 I mean it's sad though because it does precursor this is a forerunner and will be used no doubt by Christians when they do come into power when they do become the majority to enact horrific crimes against the Jews and I mean it's it's terrible. And, and as Christians, we should be ashamed of that legacy. And I feel like Christians often, they shirk it by saying, oh, well, those guys weren't true Christians. Well, fine. But and, and I, I would agree. I don't think they're like true in the sense that they truly followed the, 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 the teachings of Jesus or even that they were necessarily truly born again or saved or any of those kinds of things. But nonetheless, that is a part of our heritage. And it's something that in a certain degree is a part of our story. And it's a part of our story that we should be ashamed of.
2: No, yeah, it's sad that the religion that claims to follow Christ once it comes in power would would uh, create an institution that would do such things. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's still not still not good. Yeah. Yes, and de- and yeah, definitely. That's what actually scares me most about reading this kind of stuff is is it's not so much that at the time you know we know that Justin's running around hating on Jews. It's just more like knowing what this probably inspired later, that's what's just so horrible about it. It's probably because people read this and people read things like this and then would take leaps and bounds further and mm-hmm. do even worse things. So it's... But yeah, I definitely thought the beginning was a bit like, whoa, it's coming out of the juice pretty strong here. It's no. like, they, you know, they won't focus on God, so make them eat different foods. And like, yeah. he's just... And he brings up, like, their worst moments. Yeah. Like, remember when you guys sacrificed your own kids to demons? And, like, you know, remember yeah. when you guys did this? It's like, this is the reason why God has to do all this stuff with you. And, and then it's, it also kind of feels like a superiority complex when he says, basically, kind of like, you guys need this, but, like, Christians, we, we don't need it. We don't need these laws, yeah. kind of. And it's like, it's like, man... Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. That was the that was the, that was my one
1: my one thing when reading that. But. This but, should also create in us a sympathy for people of other religious backgrounds who maybe have fringe members of their group who do terrible things and they don't want to be associated with. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. maybe we should be a little more thoughtful of how we speak of them. Maybe some modern day examples. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so, uh, well, let's let's round out the discussion here. Uh, we're working on an hour, probably, of stuff that we've recorded, but we've been wanting to talk about free will. Um, and the issue of free will, you know, I think we framed it before, but, of course, it, it takes a central role in uh, debates among Christians uh, after Augustine, really, and then especially in the Reformation, reading Augustine, and whether or not Christians have a, uh, or well, whether or not people, excuse me, uh, what what role do they play in salvation, and in their ability to choose to become a Christian or to choose to do good, um, mm. and it, I mean, it gets fleshed out when we start to get into medieval. You know, it's going to get very particular uh, and very messy. But Justin, Justin doesn't actually even seem to think that there's any reason to debate it. He's willing to debate the thousand-year reign. He's willing to debate with the Jews the meaning of virgin and Hezekiah. He's willing to debate a few different things. Uh, but he does. He seems to be unaware that any Christian in good conscience would think differently than we absolutely have a free will yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. when it when it comes to becoming a Christian. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> which is only funny given the fact that I probably studied theology at least in part because I had a beat down my throat from sixth grade onward at a reformed school uh, that I had no free will, that I was either destined for destruction uh, or <laughs> for paradise uh, long before I ever existed. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I want to
1: I, I wanna be cautious a little bit. I, I have really good – I mean, some of my dearest friends in the world – come from a reformed or Calvinist background which for our audience who is unaware I'm going to really overly simplify this for you but people who come from a reformed or Calvinist background and they're not this is not entirely fair because there's so much to their theology we will cover it eventually but I think it's safe to at least say it this way they do not believe that human beings have free will in regard to whether or not they choose to follow Jesus. They believe that 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 is a is something that is given by God and God alone and has no interaction on the part of the human. Um, I think most of them would argue that people have free will, but they only choose evil and only can choose evil, which yeah. kind of undermines. In any case, one reason I want to bring them up is I was reformed at one point in my life. I was a Calvinist and the narrative that I told and that so many of my friends told was that we were teaching what the faith always taught, that we were teaching what Christians always believed. And nowhere up until Justin, have we even heard a discussion on the issue of free will. I mean, and he's the earliest we've got. And as Chad said, he doesn't even take it as a debate. It is just the story that we have as Christians that God imparted free will to men and angels. I read the section, it's 141, 141. And he says, But that you may not have a pretext for saying that Christ must have been crucified, and that those who transgressed must have been among your nation, and that the matter could not have been otherwise. So he has been up until this point talking about God's prophetic word being fulfilled and talking about the necessity of Christ's redemption. And so here he's saying, I want to be careful, Trifo. I don't want you to say that, well, if God planned it and if God prophesied it, and if this is the way it was supposed to be, then it couldn't have been otherwise. He's saying, I said briefly by anticipation, so this is Justin again, that God, wishing men and angels to follow his will, resolved to create them free to do righteousness, possessing reason that they may know by whom they are created, and through whom they, not existing formerly, do now exist. So there he's rejecting Plato, that, that the soul existed before God created them. He's saying, no, they have a creation point. Um, and that with the law, they should be judged by him if they do anything contrary to right reason. And of ourselves, we, men and angels, shall be convicted of, ha- of having acted sinfully unless we repent beforehand. But if the word of God foretells that some angels and men shall be certainly punished. And here we go. It did so because it foreknew that they would be unchangeably wicked. So he here harps on two things. One, the freedom, the the absolute freedom of angels and men to choose God or to reject him. And secondly, actually I said two things, but really it's three things. Secondly, that God can hold you responsible or guilty because you have this free will. Like he can punish you because you freely chose to reject him. His third thing is, God can prophesy about these things because he foresaw it or foreknew it. He knew it was going to happen beforehand. In other words, he didn't determine it. He knew it ahead of time. Now, this debate is going to rage over the course of our podcast. Uh, We will find theologians who take the opposite tack. We will read thoroughly a lot of theologians who do. So do bear with us if you disagree with this particular view. But I just want to point out, that it is a very early entrenched view in the church that mankind had freedom of will to follow God or to reject him.
0: Like a lot of stuff turns on his, uh, like his phraseology, Christos as anointed, Logos as word. He uses Catholic again at some point in the middle, um, or maybe it was in an earlier text, but but he means it in the universal way, not necessarily in the like Roman Catholic church and uh, yeah, so there's some of those things that I'll try to elucidate and maybe give a real rough, quick explanation again of the septuagint. Um, if there's, I mean, it, you know, I, I think a lot of those I take them for granted, but I know that if you didn't know that, it would be hard to read some of this. Yeah, I would also add too. I, yeah, definitely mention the
1: septuagint, or we can we could just say, I mean, the septuagint is just the Greek version of the. Hebrew Bible. I thought, actually, we did mention that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, he tells the story. I was going to tell the story of where it gets its name. and um, Oh, the 70 scholars. All yeah, and, well, and, all, and just the fact that it is the standard text,
1: period. Oh, speaking of which, actually, and this might be important for our listeners, he rejects the notion of a 39-book Old Testament. He says that, uh, that you know, that was the practice of the Jews, in their Hebrew Bible, they accepted 39 books, which is what Protestants have now. He says that they cut those books. I mean, he clearly embraces the Septuagint, which includes all of the extra Old Testament books that you find in the Roman Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox canon, what, what people call deuterocanonical or apocryphal books. So he would include those. I would also add, too, he clearly believes, he, he clearly makes no distinction between salvation by faith alone. Or works, right? I mean, he clearly is a – works are definitely an element in one's salvation and how they become Christian. So are the sacraments, like baptism. He clearly views baptism as something that is integral to initiating somebody into the church.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I do have atonement written down. He has some beautiful things to say about atonement. But, yeah, they usually involve action um, in addition to, you know, faith alone. Yeah, I mean, I have written down the import of Melchizedek. I I brought that up because my friend who I wanted to have on the podcast, I remember one time we were hanging out and he says, all right, why do Christians care this much about Melchizedek? (laughs) (laughs) He was like, I don't get it. There are two mentions in in the Old Testament. And I realized when reading Justin, another argument that I couldn't give him was Melchizedek is a priest And, you know, Hebrews interpretation of the priest after the order of Melchizedek, but it shows some sort of continuation of God's plan sort of uh, pre-covenant, pre, uh, you know, because he exists before Abraham, you know, meets him. And and so there's like, I think it's sort of like this continuing tradition that sort of leaves out the Jews (laughs) Um, or at least. Yeah, Yeah, I've
2: heard this. I've heard this modern kind of argument. Uh, for, like I remember, I think I first heard this actually in church. Was someone talking about, look, this dude wasn't even circumcised. He wasn't in the Levitical line clearly, yet he was the high priest of Salem,
1: which
0: uh-huh. would
2: be Jerusalem later. And he, and uh, yeah, Abraham presents to him sacrifices, and it's like so. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's this kind of like some people even I've even heard some people say it's a Christophany that Melchizedek himself was a Christophany? I don't know. Yeah. I, I've heard some some crazy stuff about it, but yeah. I'm not and sure.
1: For our audience who may not know who Melchizedek is, in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham is greeted by a a high priest of the Most High God who just appears out of nowhere. I mean, he just shows up, gives bread and wine to Abraham, and that's the end of the story. As Chad pointed out, he's referenced again a second time by David, when he or I don't know one of the psalmists that may not have been David, but when uh, it says you, God has testified and will not relent. You are a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Uh, the book of Hebrews makes a big deal about this Melchizedek, and in some way equates him to Jesus, as Chad just said. Whether he be a Christophany or
0: something else, I don't know. The last thing that I just thought was interesting in terms of his ability to read Christ into the Old Testament, you know, he draws upon the Johannine, you know, Logos, and through him all things were created, but he sort of makes the Jesus the sort of the creator, the creator part of the Trinity, and at least in the way that, you know, I commonly hear it thought of, it's sort of like God the Father created, and of course, through the Son but I, it sort of seems like I attribute the – like if I talk about the creator, I tend to be thinking about the father. And it seems like for Justin, the creator is actually Christ, um, which yeah. I mean I think in proper Trinitarian theology, they all participate in the acts, and none does so without the other in some sense. Yeah. But it's just sort of an interesting uh, – a slight nuance. Like that's the strong yeah. identification with the – so sort of second member of the Trinity, as it were. Yeah, which I think like,
2: uh, I don't know my Plato that well, but like if he's inspired by Plato at all, it, it could be possible that I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure this may, this may even be a neo, this might be like something Plotinus said, this might be a Neoplatonic platonic doctrine, but there's something, there was a, there was an idea that you had like, uh, which he identified with the son. you had like the one intellect, which essentially would be kind of like analogous to God, the father. And then you had like this kind of lower intellect and it created the world because since the world was, I think it's kind of a weird doctrine, but something about how the world's imperfect, obviously a perfect God didn't create it or they, they it's kind of a platonic idea. So they think that there was this other thing uh, and that would have been like the Demiurge. And it mm-hmm. was, uh, not perfect or something i don't know he could i i wonder to how much like to what extent since this guy studied philosophy for like the first 30 years of his life or whatever how much some of it uh, subconsciously even affects what he thinks like i for personally i was kind of reading it the whole time kind of just looking for Plato, like to be honest with you and looking for little bits of philosophy i think for the most part it was uh it was not very philosophical. It was mostly just a. It was on scripture, mm-hmm. uh, but it was it was interesting. Yeah. Did we lose Chad? Esoteric point that won't be interesting to anyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. i also i mean I, I also had some thoughts about why platonism meshed well with christianity because he continually identifies circumcision with the flesh and every and all of this issue of the jews with the flesh um and then the true interpretation is the spirit and goes behind the flesh And so you can sort of see how naturally Platonism sort of fits. Uh, If your mindset is reject Jews um, and reject flesh uh, because the Jews are associated with the flesh, I mean, you know, what other sort of paradigm are you going to pull on than Plato? And he clearly thinks
2: like Plato, like kind of like in a sense came the closest. He thinks Platonism at at the very least – unlike the Peripatetics or the Stoics he thinks it, it at least comes the closest to grasping at some sort of truth and yeah. and yeah I mean Plato kind of reads also as a, as a monotheistic defense so yeah there's a lot there's a lot to it plus I, I don't I don't know I, my history could be off on this again but I think like at this time they were oh this actually might be later for the Latin. Latin guys, but I guess they didn't have a lot of works of Plato um, later in the Roman Empire. Like I think they were like only really reading like the Timaeus, and so uh, yeah, you could especially if you read the Timaeus, you could see how you could put some Christian doctrine in there. But
1: we should also make sure everybody knows that Justin is called Justin the Martyr because he was martyred. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy who can be a little brash and a little bit of a jerk. And like I said, we talked earlier about this whole notion of Christians and kind of in power. Uh, Ultimately he was hauled in by the Roman priest, uh, pre uh, prefect and was put to death, sadly under the reign of Marcus Aurelius, my favorite world ruler ever. I really wrestle with that. The fact that
0: he allowed that to go on, but anyway, thank you for listening to a history of Christian theology. Please check out our Facebook page at facebook.com/slash/A History of Christian Theology, and let us know what you think about the length of the episodes. If they should be longer than they are, or if you guys think we should just stick with the 30-minute format. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.